of the Replacement Love Podcast on video. First time in history. 28th episode on Spotify. Chris, I'm pumped. We got a huge episode today. First time in history for you guys. It's going to be on YouTube. Guys, check it out. We've got a lot going on today. My Yankees can't hit, but today it actually went 12-6. 12 powered by Rizzo, Judge, Torres, all of the guys coming in towards with that big home run. Hopefully heats up Judge with that birthday double drives in three. Happy 31st birthday, Aaron Judge. Chris, let me see your Mariners. Red Bulls Mariners. Oh, yeah. Chris, how are you today? I mean, considering the double double tap I got from the Seattle Mariners today uh, with the Robbie Ray news that we'll get to here in a little bit and then also the Mariners loss, I'm good. Outside of those couple of things, I'm good, all things considered. That's that's tough, Chris. That's a, that's a lot to take in. You got your Mariners losing. They almost won. Julio struck out. Yeah, uh, they, so they blew the lead. They they got five runs after being down 2-0, and that was it. And then the 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 Phillies literally just chipped away, like a run here and there, until they came back and won it. I mean, now you lost your ace for the year. Not not your ace, but your one-two punch is now out for the year. Uh, guys, big news. I'm sure most of you have heard it. Robbie Ray out for the year with a right flexor. Surgery. He's out for the season. Chris, very disappointing for you guys. Obviously, the six-man rotation heading into the year. Now you lost your one-two punch with Castillo and Robbie Ray, who is a former Cy Young winner back in in 2021 he had a he made one just made just one start 8.10 era this year so chris this is obviously disappointing so what are the mariners doing now with ray after the year yeah definitely a big blow and it's, he's not somebody that you can just i mean outside of a trade you're not going to be able to replace him just with one guy. You know, it's going to be a, a team effort that's going to have to pick pick everything else up. I mean, you talked about Ray's their number two pitcher. Castillo's obviously their ace. But, I mean, that one-two punch, and then you have Gilbert as the number three. Kirby is four. Like, that's a really great one through four. Then, you know, coming into the season, there was a lot of talk about who was going to win that fifth spot. Was it going to be Marco Gonzalez? Was it going to be Chris Flexen? Or might it be one of the rookies that they have in, in the minors that could, you know, potentially win it out of spring training? So, obviously, Marco won it, and then they moved Flexen to the pen. And now, with Ray's injury, Flexen was the first guy to come out of the pen and take Robbie's Ray's starts. And he's not been good at all. I mean, he's honestly, his performance looks worthy enough to ship him back over to the Korean Baseball League. Um, I'll take, yeah. I mean, he's not, he's not been good. So right now the, the Mariners best course of action is to get flexing, get that ship right. And if he can get back to being a, you know, just an average pitcher, it'll be okay. They've, they've got enough pitching depth in that rotation. Like I mentioned, um, they, you know, with Kirby and, uh, Gilbert and, Marco they've, and Castillo, they've got enough in there to be just fine, with, especially with Flexen being near the back end of it. And then, you know, if he still can't get it righted, you can look at a couple of their youngsters that they've got in the minors, in Bryce Miller and then Emerson Hancock. Now, both of those guys, unfortunately, have not had great starts to the season. It is early, so, you know, there's still a lot of time to be patient with them. And obviously, they're still young in their careers and everything as well. But, you know, you would like to see them you know, kind of performing a little bit better um, in the minors. But, you know, if they can kind of get hot, they may force their way up, especially if Flexen continues to struggle. And then you could also go back to Tommy Malone, who had a spot start for the Mariners when Marco Gonzalez left the team to be with his wife to give birth to their second child now. Um, so congratulations to Marco and his family. But, um, you know, Tommy Malone could be a candidate if Flexen continues to struggle. And then obviously there's the free agent wire um, who the headline name there is Madison Bumgarner. But I don't think are at that desperate level of them. Wait, back know, on that. To, yeah, I don't think I don't think they're there to get to get Mad Bum or anything like that. So um, obviously Jerry Depoto is nicknamed Trader Jerry. So you can't rule out the possibility of him trading for another starter. But um, they've got some options. I would say the silver lining is if we're going to have a big 
injury blow to the team. I'm kind of glad it's to the starting pitching where they have a lot of depth at. I mean, Chris, if 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 you're gonna take Madison Bumgarner as an option, then I mean, you're really only thinking about Madison Bumgarner if you're really that desperate in a fantasy. If you're really in a deep league and you have that many roster spots to fill up that you you could throw on Bad Bum, because he's probably one of the worst pitchers in baseball. But yeah, I hear that. Ooh. Uh, the thing is with DePoto, he likes reclamation projects. I mean, Chris Flexen was a reclamation project. It, it worked out well for his season, um, and he did well last year when he got moved into the bullpen as well. So, you know, could DePoto look at what Madison Bumgarner did, talk with the pitching coaches and the scouts, um, talent evaluators, and say, you know, listen, we could probably get Bumgarner to be – not what he used to be in San Francisco or even what he was like in his first year or two or even last year with Arizona, but we could get him to be a guy who can give us some, some length in games, you know, get us, he may not be able to strike out as many guys as one or two or anything, but if he can get through and just kind of pitch, be a pitcher, um, you know, it, it could be something that could happen again. I, I think that's probably plan Z um, just because I think there's a lot that needs to go in to get Bumgarner right in. Um, but you know, I, I think there are better options than going with him, but he is, you know, a name on the free agent market that, um, the Mariners could turn to if they are desperate. So Chris, we were talking about the impact of Ray and now his absence for the rest of the season. And you were talking about the rotation and now that has a big void. There's a big gap in between Castillo and then Gonzalez, Gilbert, Kirby, and Flexen, obviously. And, you know, Flexen is coming out struggling. He's been scuffling a little bit. He's got that 8.86 ERA. Jeez. <laughs> I, I can't even, like, I have to take a minute just to, like, internalize it. Like, 8.86? That's, like, mad about him already. Okay, either way, just, you know, you got that four-man rotation. You got those four guys locked in. They've come out hot right now. You got Castillo doing Luis Castillo stuff. He's doing that Cy Young dances. Getting fancy for us. Gonzalez, Gilbert, Kirby, all three punches. We saw we saw a little bit from Logan Gilbert tonight. And Flexen is obviously the big question. You were talking about Tommy Malone. But what I'm a big fan of bullpen games. Mm -hmm. So Chris, you guys have a nice bullpen. And you were talking about, you know, in, in case flexion, flexion continues to struggle, who would be that replacement? And you were talking about Tommy Malone. There are other guys in the bullpen. You know, we're talking about maybe Paul Seawalt can contribute a couple of innings. Trevor Gott, Matt Press, the long relievers who are capable of pitching long, long relievers. So what are you thinking about maybe converting and maybe assembling a – bullpen game as the fifth start in case flexing continues to struggle what are your thoughts yeah i think i think the mayor's plan is probably to get flexing back into form of him being a traditional starter going at least six innings and then turning over the pen but you know something that kind of was if you watch the his last start he was pretty good through i think the first four maybe five innings and then it just kind of fell apart on him so maybe he, you know, if they can't get him to get to that sixth inning, maybe he is, you know, that designated bullpen starter where, you know, okay, Flexen's going to go max four innings, maybe five, you know, if we're lucky or if it's a good day or something like that. But we're going to, you know, it's basically going to be Flexen for as long as we feel good about him. And then we're going to turn over the pen, have the pen right, you know, take it home. But in doing that, you are going to burn some arms in the pen and that could be costly, especially if you have one of the first four starters get lit up or have to go short. You know, then then it really compounds everything because now you're looking at, OK, we burned a bunch of bullpen arms because, you know, we're, we're down starters. So I think plan A is get Flex and Ryder to be a traditional starter. And plan B would be, OK, he's going to give us four innings and then we're going to turn it to the pen. Maybe he gives us five innings and then turn it to the pen, but something like that. Um, and then, you know, I don't know, plan C is maybe a call up to a rookie or try a different, you know, different guy to be the starter. But, you know, I think that's kind of what the plan is for or what the thinking is for the Mariners right now. It's like, let's get flexing going and see if we can, you know, if that can work. I think that you're obviously you're losing that one, two punch. You're losing Castillo, you're losing Ray. And 
for me at least, I'm you know it, it's tough putting together for the average team. You're usually by the time you're at the fourth, fifth starter, it's usually like hey, you know they they can go six, seven innings. Maybe they'll give up three, two, three runs. They're they're, they're obviously not frontline starters, but for the average team, if you know, we're not talking about the Astros who have a ton of depth. I'm not talking about Dodgers also have a ton of depth. But also, I mean, the Mariners also have a ton of depth. I'm talking about your average team. It's usually pretty difficult to fill in that fourth, fifth role if those designed pitchers who are in that fourth, fifth role continue to struggle. And that's a guy like Frexen. You're talking about Chris Flexen. And, you know, it's it's hard because by the time we come around for agency, the Mariners already had their rotation locked in. They had mm-hmm. Casillo, they had Ray, they got Casillo from last year, they got Kirby, and all the guys you mentioned. So, uh, I, I'm, I mean, for me at least, getting flex in is probably the best option, even though you, you know more than the Mariners than I do. But it's hard getting that fifth man to stabilize, at least, you know, from, from longevity-wise, usually fifth starters, they – it depends on the team, really. It's hard to, to say – for every team, but if you're a fifth starter, it's like, hey, you know, w- we know that you can go out and throw six, seven innings. We're not, you know, you know, you, you're capable of it. You you have the arm strength to last that long. You can throw 80, 85 pitches, give up three, four ones. We're fine with that because that means our bullpen can back you up. That's why I'm a big fan of bullpen because then you transition to the bullpen. We say, hey, the fifth starter, he's, he comes out, throws four or five innings, gives us three runs, but we have the bullpen to back it up. That's when, mm-hmm. that's, that's when Matt Brash steps in. That's when Paul Seawall steps in. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, the, the Mariners definitely have a deep bullpen and a good bullpen. I, I think I think your end of the road, end of the bullpen guys are going to be Paul Seawall, Andres Munoz, who's currently out with an injury, but should be back here in the next I don't know, week or so, uh, and Matt Brash, and then Diego Castillo. I think those are your final four guys in there. Um, obviously the, the closer is going to be Seawald right now, if not Munoz and then Brash and then Castillo. So you've got that, you've got, um, you know, some young players that are stepping up in Justin Topa, uh, and then their free agent signing of Trevor Gott is actually doing quite well so far. Nice sign. Um, yeah. I gave a <laughs> lot of bad. grief. Yeah. I will admit I gave a lot of grief and was not a fan of it, but so far, got is making me look foolish i mean but that's that's not hard to do or anything um so yeah there there are some options for them in there in that pen um but yeah we'll see we'll see what they what they do and obviously it all comes down to what flexing can do if flexing can take care of business you know the manners will be fine but if he can't you know that's when things get will get a little bit more interesting for them but uh, moving over to some exciting news Brian Reynolds signed a big deal with the Pittsburgh Pirates, a eight-year, $106.75 million contract extension with them. And Rafal, give us your thoughts on this big signing for the Pirates. So Brian Reynolds, good for you, man. Breaking in the dough. Chris, that big eight-year deal, locking in a marquee figure. In the Pittsburgh organization, a huge, huge deal. Obviously, he had all of those trades. Everything was, everyone was bringing up these trade ideas. He was a, a huge talk. Everyone was, he was probably the biggest talk over the offseason. Glaber Torres, question mark, maybe would have been traded over him, but it was a big asking price. The Pirates were asking for a lot. The Pirates were asking for Volpe. They were asking for Peraza, either one of them, plus Jason Dominguez. That's a big asking price. But Volpe, a lot of conspiracies around Volpe, uh, uh, not Volpe, Brian Reynolds. A lot of conspiracies about Reynolds over the offseason. Will he be traded? Will he be not? He sticks with in Pittsburgh the big eight-year deal with the club option for 2031, actually. An 844 career OPS hitter, 128 OPS plus with park-adjusted factors and all that fun stuff. 79 career home runs, 282 batting average, 257 RBIs. Brian Reynolds, one of the best standing fielders in the game, actually. And mm-hmm. I think for the Pirates, locking in your locking in your marquee guy, because now the Pirates have are are at least assured also a player, also a caliber player for another seven, seven years. So the Pirates get their guy, 
And I, I think, you know, it's it's early in the season, and we're seeing the Pirates. The Pirates are 17-8. and eight. They're first in the NL Central. Who would have thought, heading into this season, that the Pittsburgh Pirates would be in first place? I definitely didn't think that. But everything is clicking right now for the Pirates. You're seeing pretty much everyone on their lineup contribute. You're seeing Brian Hayes do his thing in the hot corner. Offensively, offensively he's going to need to step it up a little bit. We haven't seen that since he was brought up, really. He's never been really praised for his offensive prowess. That's never really been something of his forte, I would say. Carl Santana's bringing some offensive contribution. His presence, obviously, is the veteran guy. Brian Reynolds doing Brian Reynolds things. Kutch, the veteran dude, five homers already. G1 Bay, the defensive monstrosity in the outfield center. He's doing his thing with Dolfo Castro. You got Connor Joe. Jason DeLay is surprised this year. He's and he's got 967 OPS to 38 at bats. And their rotation, their pitching has been dominating. They're pitching Mitch Keller. We're seeing a potential breakout year for Mitch Keller, the Mitch Keller that has been really struggling the past couple of seasons. And as of now, where the way he's pitched in his in his first four starts, first five starts, he has four quality starts. 29 and two-thirds of it, and he's got a 1.25 whip, 3.65 ERA. Johan Oviedo making an impression. Ron C. Contreras had a nice start today. Closed out the Dodgers. Lights lights out. Dodgers take the fall 8-1. to Vince Velasquez and Rachel are kind of middling, but overall, the Pirates are really coming out hot. Chris, obviously, locking in Reynolds is very vital especially for for the Pirates future but other than that and the way that they're performing how do you think this will impact them in a few years down the line yeah so I mean it's it's good the Pirates have been and I have some friends that are Pirates fans so obviously Sorry. we both live here in, in Indianapolis and in, you know the the Pirates AAA team is the Indianapolis Indians here so we could see a lot of their prospects that come through before they make it to the majors um, so, you know, we do have some conversations about the big league club, but, you know, for them, you know, when they, when they brought up O'Neill Cruz, when they brought up Key Brian Hayes and Mitch Keller and, and those guys, um, and they traded and got Rones Contreras, you know, you know, for me, kind of a, on the outside of the fandom looking in, I was like, oh, that's great moves, Good, you know, stuff to get excited about. And they were kind of like, yeah, we'll see. You know, it's another year of us selling off our star player to get prospects with the with the message of wait till next year or wait till a few years down the road kind of thing. So like it just gets old and they have kind of had that that message sent to them for, I don't know, probably like a decade now. So Brian Reynolds is the guy that was always thought that they would build around. And this contract that he signed now just, you know, kind of cements that that thought. In, in stone that he is the guy they're going to build around you've got o'neill cruz who you know once he heals from his fractured leg should be all right you know he definitely is very uh, exciting and an, uh, a player that will put a lot of fans in the stands and he seems to make every sort of stat cast metric out there just from the um exit velocities and the throws he makes from a shortstop and everything like that like he's just kind of unreal and then you've got cabrian hey so like you've got a lot of pieces in place for the pirates to start to be building and to start to get some things moving them in the right direction getting back into the playoff contention and kind of have that light at the end of the tunnel that the organization has been preaching to their fan base like the fans can now actually have something to kind of hold on to and say okay you know you've been telling us and now we've actually seen some some results here so great for them this start is that they are on is incredible um there is a, a a pirate beat writer that I follow on Twitter uh, who at the beginning of the season was all about the pirates being great and having a great season and everything. And I'll be honest, like I was kind of like, there's no way that that is going to come true. Like the pirates are not going to be that good. Um, I want to say, I think he had him picked for like 77 wins on the year. And I was like, no, not a chance. Like they, you know, they had no rotation. You had you Neil know, Cruz, who didn't have a great rookie year, but you know you obviously saw the tools there. Brian Hayes still hadn't really lived up the potential, and they had Brian Reynolds, who the question with him was going to be, would he, how much longer would he be in a Pittsburgh uniform? So, um, 
the Pirates are looking good. I, I don't know if they can keep it up. I think they're getting a lot of uh, um, key contributions at the right times, which is really what you need in baseball. But can you do it over the course of a full season? You know, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know, but um, I, I would not bet on it. And the Pirates fans, I'm sorry, you know, enjoy this, but um, and enjoy the Brian Reynolds signing because everything's moving in the right direction for you guys. The Pirates are playing good baseball. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to have to agree with you on this, Chris. I, I, I think it's too early to tell because the Brewers are right behind them. And they're only a couple games behind them. And they're doing Brew Crew things in Milwaukee. But the, the Pirates sustaining this type of streak, I'm, I'm not so certain that they can keep us up considering that they've got a lot of young guys in the organization, especially their farm system as well, uh, mm-hmm. which that'll be for another time. But they do have an exciting organization headlined by Termar Johnson and Henry Davis, Quinn Priester, who is AAA currently. But mm-hmm. overall, I, I you know, I think it's, it's exciting for Pirates Pirates fans who haven't seen much success in Pittsburgh. And although they have a nice stadium, PNC is really nice, by the way. Have you checking out PNC? I've not been there. I've heard a not lot of great things on it about the stadium. Um, it is something that I think I'd want to go check out. Um, it's very not, nice. Yeah, it's not too far of a drive. Um, but yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about PNC Park. Yeah, so a couple, I think a couple years ago, me and my family went up to, I think it was, I don't know if I went to somewhere in Pennsylvania, whatever. So Pittsburgh was a couple of hours away. I think it was like an hour and a half drive. So we went to a Pirates game. I actually caught a ball. My first MLB ball was there. I nice. Oh, it was the Nationals? Because I remember I was Drupal Cabrera. Remember, wow. he was like, third, <laughs> I think we we're sitting third base side. I was just sitting in my seat. I was like, no way I'm getting this ball. So I, I like waved my glove up. I was like, oh, that's Drupal, that's Drupal. And then all, all of a sudden I see the ball coming towards me. I'm like, there's no way it's coming towards me. So I put my glove out. And the next thing you know, it's in my hand. So I was like, okay. And listen, I got my first ball. So I kind of like P- PNC Park, good vibes there. So I, yeah. I mean, that the gate, that kind of, that, that, that I think that's like, that's why people go to PNC Park. Because they have that, it's like a yellow gate. Mm-hmm. It's a, you see across like right by the batter's eye. If you look, if you set home plate, if you look straight away, you see. I don't know if you saw this before, but PNC has like a a bridge that yeah. you can see from the stadium itself. So once yep. you're sitting, like if you're behind the home plate, you have a batter's eye view straight, and you see. So I think that's the main attraction there. But PNC Park is definitely very nice. Definitely recommended for you guys out there. But for the main event of our show. Let's get this going. Main event of our almost sad because it just means that teams aren't playing, aren't are underperforming. So today's topic is teams that are underperforming in East Division. So we got my Yanks under underperforming. We got those Mariners underperforming. Sorry, Chris, for the shout out. Mariners need to start beating. Offense, we got pitching to step up. Even though the pitching is doing quite well, he got that three point, got tenth in ERA, but just overall not coming with big wins. But first in the AL East, sorry Yankees, but I gotta go with the Yankees. Yankees are underperforming. It's mm. it's it's an understatement considering that they're fourteen and eleven, and they are over five hundred, but they're fourth in the AL East, behind the Orioles, behind the Blue Jays, behind the Rays, who just can't stop winning. Twenty runs, first win to twenty runs. The Rays can't stop winning. And there's nothing I can do about it. There's nothing I can do by Shane McClanahan being Shane McClanahan doing Cy Young things. There's nothing I can do about Wendell Franco being the advanced hitter and one of the most dynamic players in baseball. And he's really coming out doing everything really at the start of the season. But the Yankees, just to throw some stats out here, just to substantiate things, 19th in OPS, 700 OPS. Come on, Yankees. Seventh and seventeenth in runs, 108 runs scored, 31 homers. They're eighth in homers. That's not too bad, but that's pretty much because the Yankees are contingent on the long ball, and they all they do is mash home runs. You got Judge with six. You got Santa's got a few. Volpe's got a few. Torres has got a couple. Lamejo's got three or four, and. The funny thing is that the Yankees only lost one series, and that was to the Twins this past series. 
Sorry, not even the Yankees didn't lose the series yet. They lost the first time, by the way, Chris. First time since I forgot what year, 2004, 2001. Forgot first time. First time that the Yankees have lost a season series to the yeah. Twins since the early 2000s. So I, I wasn't even alive then that when the Yankees lost season series to the Twins. So happy for the Twins. You, you guys take the season series from my Yanks, which is obviously disappointing, but back to underperformance. Rotation-wise and pitching-wise, Yankees have not been underperforming. They're third in ERA with a 3.36 ERA. So I think it's more of the offense, and the offense has really been streaky. And, you know, with Stanton out, with Bader out, obviously Bader hasn't played. He's coming back soon. Bader's been out. Stanton, they've been very precautious with him with his, you know, his injury history. And, you know, he seems to be as some sort of, he seems to sustain some sort of injury every day at this point. And the dude can't stay healthy. But when he's healthy, he's obviously a big contributor at the plate. And, you know, I think the offense the offense really needs to get things, pick things up. Obviously, today we saw that Yankees pull away with a win 12-6, powered by Volpe. Rizzo, Torres with that long home run. 12-6 Yankees power with come away with a win. But in the past week or so, the Yankees offense has really been quiet. And th- that's kind of like an indication to Brian Cashman, like, hey, you really didn't make so many additions to the offseason. And I think that's kind of true because lineup-wise, the Yankees, Cashman did not make any additions except for picking up Franchi Gordero from waivers. If you <laughs> – but he, he's been a nice addition. You know, he's got that – he's got four homers. He's uh, he's hit a cold streak a little bit. But, you know, the – they called up Peraza. They called up Volpe. But other than that, they made no additions. This is kind of translating now because now they're just the Yankees that they were without Judge. Judge, obviously, he had a nice day today. And it's 31st birthday. Happy birthday, Aaron Judge, guys. 31st birthday. But get to my, get, getting back to my main point, the Yankees haven't underperformed. The offense is not hitting. Pitching-wise, thankfully, the rotation has held up despite Rodon being out, Sevy being out. And obviously, Montas expected to miss the entirety of the season. But Chris, who is your AL East underperforming team? Oh, it's got to be the Yankees. I mean, they're three games over 500. They're six games back in the AL East right now. So, um, yeah, it, for me, they're they're just they're not producing the runs like you would kind of expect from them. I mean, going into the season, a lot of people were expecting the AL East to be one of the toughest divisions, if not the toughest division in baseball. And it, it is living up to that. You've got the Rays, Orioles, Blue Jays, and Yankees all by 500, all competing for the AL East. And quite frankly, the Rays are the most impressive team in, in the league right now. They're 20 and five. They're 14 and two at home. They've only lost two games at home. There's no other team in the league who has lost, um, who has that kind of home home record. I mean, Blue Jays are seven and two at home, um, but you know, it's just they're they are winning games and they are exceeding expectations, if that's even possible, considering people were expecting the the race to compete for an AL East crown and definitely compete for the playoffs, but. When you factor in that Tyler Glasnow has yet to throw a pitch this season and then Shane Baz is still out with injury, yeah, it is very impressive that they're getting by on what they're able to do. So, you know, good for the Rays. Um, the Yankees are unfortunately the underperforming team for the for the AL East. My underperforming team for the AL Central is going to be the Chicago White Sox. Mm. I mean, they, their team that I know when we talked about um, – about teams that could make it into the playoffs that weren't there last year. We talked about the White Sox having a lot of star power and, you know, maybe not so much depth. And if injuries struck, they could be in a world of hurt. You know, we did think they had a little bit more depth this season than they did last year, but they're in their last 10 games, they're one and nine. They're seven and 18 on the year. The division is from the AL side, one of the weakest in, in the AL. I mean, the Twins are the only team that's above 500, and they're 14 and 11. The Guardians sit in second place; they're 12 and 13. The Detroit Tigers are in third place at 9 and 14. They're three games ahead of the Chicago White Sox. I did not have the Tigers being anywhere above fourth place in the division. So the fact that they're in third, and the White Sox are, you know, just fault not 
doing anything that they ex- people were expecting for them. Um, I, I got to go with the White Sox. But, Rafal, who is your who's your underperformer for the AL East or AL Central? Guess what, Chris? You are going to be surprised here because I, for the first time in a replaceable podcast history, Chris Phillips and Rafal Nagurski have agreed on consecutive things. <laughs> Way to go. History. Give a round of applause. Because <laughs> we don't see this too often, honestly. So, yes, Chris, the White Sox are underperforming. And they are, just to give you some stats, like I did for the Yankees, 28th in OPS, 652. To only hit 23 home runs, they're 23rd. They are 23rd in runs, not only 96 runs. And it's the rotation. The rotation is killing them. That is really what's been derailing them all year, even though it's early into the season. We're seeing Giolito. We're seeing Lynn, Cease, Copa, and Clemenser all have over four ERAs to start off the season. 5.62 collective ERA. They're 29th in ERA. And I, I just think for, for a team that such a, a high caliber and the fact that they're only behind ahead of the Oakland A's, who are probably the dead last team and will be the dead last team for the rest of the season. And they pretty much have nothing going for them. So I found them moving to Las Vegas. So that's, that's something exciting, but the White Sox have really struggled. And I, I think you can really attribute that to the rotation. Like I said, we're seeing a lot of their rotation, a lot of their fi- or the firepower really struggle. We're seeing Jolito who's over four ERA, 4.50. He's, Made five starts. Lance Lynn, again, struggling. 7.52 RA. We're seeing Dylan Cease being Dylan Cease, doing, still doing Dylan Cease stuff. He was a runner-up for the Cy Young last year. Obviously fell to Verlander, but he had that two points. He has this 2.73 ERA. Leads the team in whip. At least uh, qualifying starters. He's got that 1.118 whip. Kopech is struggling. 7.0. A one ERA, and then you got Clevenger, who had those allocations over the year, oh, the offseason, but cleared that up, and he's pitching again. But he has got that four point eighty one ERA, so I, I really think that they really their pitching really needs to step it up, and offensively, as well, they're 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 typical contributors, and their guys are not hitting. Benny from the Yankees, sadly, the Yankees did yield Andrew Benatendi over the, over the offseason. He signed a big deal with the White Sox for five years, but he's doing Benny stuff. He's got that 700 OPS, but he's batting 295. He is a high OBP hitter, and Luis Robert is really not hitting. Vaughn is, after a breakout, the breakout here last year, he had last year. He's also struggling. He's got that 236 average. Then you've got Elvis Andrews, Grandal, both struggling. Aloy Jimenez is, is completely out of character. He's got that 172 average and Tim Anderson is being Tim Anderson. He's got that 731 OP OPS, but overall the White Sox really need to break these together because last year we saw White Sox team that obviously they were fell short in the playoffs, but obviously capable of doing more than expected. And they, they have, they have the pieces to mold a contending team, but now it's just about executing. And that's not what, they, what they've been doing. They just got swept by the Blue Jays and they, you know, the Blue Jays are hot and it's definitely, it's not, not to say it's an easy matchup, but I, I just think that the White Sox really need to improve. So on to the AL West, Chris, I think we both know who's underperforming in the AL West. I mean, we'll just make it three for three here. We can skip it if you want. I'm fine skipping it, but I can't skip it because you're ready with the my inks. So I gotta get back at you here. So underperforming. Okay. Chris, you already know. But the Seattle Mariners, we can say they've been underperforming. Yeah. They are currently eleven and thirteen. They just fell short after a close game, closely contested game. They lost fell short six five to the Phillies. And They've been underperforming. Let's get into let's get into the stats and maybe kind of figure out why the Mariners are struggling. So let's just give you guys some stats. Hitting wise, the Mariners have actually not been bad uh, offensively. The Mariners 
at least better than the a little drop better than actually worse than the Yankees. 688 OPS home run rise. They've been pretty bad, honestly. Um home run rise, they have hit a total of just kind of pulling up. They've hit a total of 26 home runs. So that needs to start uh manifesting a little more. Looking to see a little more out of Johannes Suarez. Julio, obviously, who just broke a his over I think it's over 16 slump, Chris. Maybe you can validate that. It's over 16 slump, something like that, after that home run today. And pitching wise, I I think I mentioned earlier before, but pitching wise, they've actually been solid. The 3.81 ERA, 10th, ranking 10th amongst amongst all 30 major league teams. But Chris, you know the Mets Mariners better than me. What is going on with your Mariners? I mean, they, they, a lot of their concern going into the season was that they did not add enough of a, enough bats this offseason, and it's showing. I mean, you've got Ty France doing Ty France things. You've got Julio, unfortunately, struggling right now. Uh, you alluded to his hitless streak uh, that he just snapped with that home run. So hopefully he can get on a roll and get back to doing what we saw him do last year, that won him rookie of the year. You know, a surprise is Jared Kelnick finally coming through on all that hype and potential. I mean, he's currently batting 342. Um, I mean, that's that's not going to stay that way all year long. But, I mean, he's he's hitting the ball. He's hitting the ball with authority. And it, it's, you know, everything looks legit on him. But um, Teoscar Hernandez is kind of struggling. He's, you know, getting – he's doing all right. Batting 244, six home runs, 15 RBIs. Eugenio Suarez hitting 261, which is which is high for him, but you know it is nice to see. But the thing is, they're just they're not kind of producing when when they need to or anything like that. I mean, they're they're just their other guys aren't getting on base. Colton Wong has been abysmal. I mean, there's enough of a fan base out there that is calling for Adam Frazier to come back. Um, they'd rather have him than Colton Wong, and Frazier was terrible last year. So. Um, you know, they don't have a DH. Their plan was not to have somebody specific be a DH. They wanted to rotate guys through the DH spot to help keep, you know, their regulars fresh. But AJ Pollock has kind of been their main guy right now, and he's not hitting. They tried out Cooper Homer for a bit. He's not hitting. They sent him down. Tom Murphy, their backup catcher, is not doing anything at all. Um, Tommy LaStella is not hitting as well. I mean, a guy that's kind of come out of nowhere is Jose Caballero who's hitting 214. It's kind of been their their main guy off the bench that's actually been somewhat productive. Um, you know, that's nice to see, but, you know, we just need some more guys to hit the ball. Pitching-wise, you know, starting rotation has been fine. Bullpen's been fine. I'm not too worried about that, but it's really just coming down to the offense. I mean, this is now marks the second consecutive game that they scored five runs in, so maybe the offense is starting to wake up and things can start to get rolling and, you know, pitchers don't have to feel like they need to go and pitch a shutout or a no hit ball every time they take the mound. So we'll see. Um, it's early. It's still very early, um, but it's definitely not the start any Mariners fans were expecting with them sitting in fourth place in the AOS, just above the Oakland A's. I mean, that, I mean, I think that that's just sums it up right there. They're above the Oakland A's for the AOS. Um, yeah. Awful, awful, awful. Um, all right, we got to move on um, to, to the NL here before before I start to cry over how bad this Mariners start is. So moving over <laughs> Anything to else you want to add? Uh, do what? Get everything else in right now before before we stop making funny Mariners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I can take it anymore. You know, the, things happen in threes, they say, and I, I've got two with the Robbie Ray and the loss tonight. I don't I don't want a third one to go. You're taking down. enough, Chris. I'll, 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 I'll let you go. All right, so the NL East, we've got, for my team, the team the Mariners played in the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, you know, they're coming off a World Series appearance, and they made some moves this offseason to kind of bolster their bullpen, which was a big concern for them last year. So there was some thought with their rotation and the offense that they have that they could, you know, challenge for the NL East again. I think most people around baseball and fans of baseball are going to say, the Braves, the Mets, the Phillies are probably going to be one of the three teams that's going to win that A, that NL East. And right now, the Braves are in first place at 17 and 8, followed by the Mets at 14 and 11. And then you've got the Marlins and Phillies at 12 and 13, the, both five games back. And 
for me, it's more that the Phillies just kind of getting off to a slow start. They did sign Trey Turner as well to help that offense. Um, they they are without Bryce Harper and they lost Reese Hoskins at the beginning of the year, but you know, there's still there was a lot of expectations of them to be good, and they still have enough pieces around that they should still be still be winning some games. So for the fact of them being a game under 500 and out of the other teams in the NLEs with expectations, I've got to pick the Phillies. So we're fall. Are we gonna are we gonna go four four here? Or are we gonna have our first disagreement? Okay, Chris. The, the, I think this is this has to be a record. We can't stop agreeing. So wow. I, I don't know what's going on, but again, the Phillies. Yes, the Phillies are underperforming. Chris, twelve and thirteen. Although they just okay, I'm not gonna say what they just did. They may have just beat the, the Mariners, but I, yeah. I, I, okay, Chris, I have to leave you alone. Okay, so. Talking about the Phillies, your Phillies, Philadelphia Phillies. We got Brandon Marsh, who is has a 351 average. Brandon Marsh, the guy who is really just a, a fielder, the guy who has some of the nicest hair in baseball. I mean, is he trying out for Duck Dynasty? I mean, we may as well have him try out at this point. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a 1.138 OPS. There's 74 at-bats. Brandon Marsh has been the center of attention for the Phillies' offense. Obviously, mm-hmm. Castellanos has been striking recently. 927 OPS. He's got that 16 RBIs. Boehm has been hitting as well, 20 RBIs. And I, I really think that they really need to come and they need to close out close to contestant games. And their rotation has also struggled a lot. Nola's been struggling. It's not something you expected. Nola's Pre-rankings heading the season, he was a definitely top 20 pitcher in baseball. Billy Falter, a uh, kind of a surprising addition to the rotation, but you know he's kind of he's been middling. And the Wheelers not been not been Zach Wheeler at all. He did have a nice start this past start. Taiwan Walker has been getting beaten up. A lot of stuff has like nice that changeup is spicy. <laughs> he's got a nice changeup going for him this year, but. He's been struggling. And Matt Strom has really made a nice kind of contribution. Uh, he's made four starts. He's got a three ERA. No, he actually hasn't. He wasn't awarded any quality starts at any of those starts. But he's thrown 18 innings of six-run ball, 27 strikeouts. And he's kind of been the most dominant pitcher, honestly, I would say, out of this pitching staff. And I think that's kind of the X factor here, getting that pitching staff right, and that's not what they've been doing. So I think the Phillies just really need to get to get the rhythm, and maybe getting ahead of your Mariners can maybe give them a, a step in the right direction. So, again, your Phillies need to step it up. Sorry, Phillies fans, and I do know a couple of Phillies fans, and I'm guessing they're – I'm certain that they know their team's underperforming. Next, on to the NL Central. I'm pretty sure we all can agree on this, unless – Chris, if we can sustain our consecutive streak of agreeing with each other, I'm pretty sure the Cardinals can continue that. The St. Louis Cardinals have really been coming out the gates, and and they've really been struggling. And they're one of those teams that they've always been in contention in in the NL Central. And I think at this point, you know, they, they've got uh, a heap of injuries. This is already coming out of the start of the season. They got Bad Bob, who came out and sustained an injury, and now he's out for a couple more starts. The Cardinals are currently 9-15 and in NL Central. Offensively, I think is – they haven't – honestly, they haven't been too bad offensively. Their guy guys are doing guy-guy things. Nato, Goldie. Contreras, Gorman, Tommy Edmund, Jordan Walker, who actually just got assigned to Triple A, and then Brenda Davin, Tyler O'Neill. But something that's a little intriguing to me for, about the Cardinals—they've got a nice collage of outfields. They got a ton of outfield depth. You got O'Neill, you got Walker. They just got obviously just got promoted. You got Burleson, Carlson, Newtbar, and Juan Yepes. So they got a lot of depth outfield-wise. I think Marmol was actually. Alfred Marmer was discussing what they would do and how would it just be a platoon because he was talking about how he doesn't want to give any of them less amount of appearances because he feels that they're all capable of going out there every day and doing a, doing a job. But I, I think 
again, I think the teams that we're discussing, it's been coming to the pitching. And again, the Cardinals pitching has been struggling. And I, I, that's that's definitely a big factor here because Montgomery, Flaherty, Michaelis, Whitford, and the Mats, obviously with Wainwright out, you got Montgomery and Flaherty have, have been, they look solid already to open the season, but Michaelis and Woodford have not looked solid. Matt's as well. The two lefties, Montgomery, obviously last year, he really broke out when he got swapped from St. Louis to New York, but I think getting him on track is, and he's been on track to open the year, 3.81 ERA, but Michaelis, Woodford, Matt's, the, the back end of the rotation is really where things have gone south, Chris. So I think that's where we can say that that's why the Cardinals are struggling. So, Chris, could we add another name to the agreement? It's five for five, man. I mean, we we, we are on a roll here. We've got that that mind, mind our, our minds are synced up or something. I don't know. But, I mean, it, it can't it, – for a team for the NL Central, it can't be any other team than the St. Louis Cardinals. The Cincinnati Reds are currently ahead of them at 10 and 15. Um and you you just touched on it. Jordan Walker got sent down. What what are the Cardinals doing? I mean, he's one of their top prospects. He's hitting too. I mean, it's not like he's struggling. So like, oh, he's struggling. So we want to set him down. Like his comes back. No, the guy's performing well at the major league level. I mean, he's he's hitting the ball. Like I don't get it. The home runs aren't there. And I know he's kind of built to have some some home run power and everything like that. But I mean, they just sent him down for. Taylor Motter, who I believe they just DFA'd a few days ago or a week ago or something like that. Um, I, I mean, uh, Taylor Motter's a former Mariners, and, you know, you like him because he's a hustle guy, he's an energy guy, but that's it. I mean, he, he can play a little bit of defense. He can kind of play everywhere. That's nice, but you're not getting anything from him. I mean, I get the, the Cardinals saying that they want Walker to get at-bats, but the dude can kill triple A pitching. That's he doesn't need time triple A pitching. The dude needs to continue to to feast or at least, you know, be challenged at major league pitching because that's the only way he's going to get better. And if you're a bad team, the best way to go about getting better is give your young guys playing time to see what they can do, see they, how they handle the adversity. Now Walker hasn't had any adversity right now other than playing time, but the guy can hit. I mean, what the Cardinals really need to do is they really need to be on the phone trying to make some trades to some to free up some some playing time for some guys. I mean, you've got Jordan Walker, Tyler O'Neill, Alec Burleson, Dylan Carlson, all guys that can play the outfield, and you've only got three spots. So you're constantly rotating those guys through, trying to keep them hot. Um, you know, Tommy Edmond, and then you got Paul DeJong that's kind of had a nice couple games back, or like you know, at least a good game back. So yeah, I think the Cardinals, they've got too much talent and they could really use an ace for that rotation. They don't they don't have one. Miles Michaelis is nice. Adam Wainwright used to be an ace, but at this at this point he's not and he's currently hurt. So he'll come back. I'm sure he'll he'll do he'll do fine. Um, but they don't have an ace guy. Jake Flaherty was looking like it. Then he had a couple of seasons with injuries and, you know, he's starting to look like he's rounding into form a little bit on the wild side. Like he's still got a lot of walks. Um, but, you know, the, 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 the Cardinals could use a, a deal or two to free up some spots, to get some guys some playing time and then to better themselves in their rotation. Um, you know, you look at their bullpen, it's not too bad, but I think a big shock has been, the lack of dominance from Ryan Helsley, who was kind of lights out last year for him. Um, he's looked kind of mortal. He's looked like a classic stereotypical bullpen guy having a great year. And then, you know, not so much. I mean, he's three of six on saves, um, you know, not exactly what they're hoping for. So it is, it's interesting. And the Cardinals being bad, I, I, I I'm not ready to say they're done or anything like that. Obviously, it's way too early in the season. They've got too much talent, I believe, to continue to struggle. But, um, you know, it's not good right now. Right now, they are the underperforming team in, in that NL Central. Um, and we touched on about the Pirates being great. I mean, that's also shocking in its own right that the Pirates are winning the division. So um, NL Central, in my opinion, is the craziest division right now. Um, Rafal, are you, are you in agreement with me on that? That the NL Central is the most topsy turvy, upside down. Yes, 
there's, there's too much going on, honestly, to really – I mean, the Dodgers were at one point underperforming, but they've kind of picked it up in the past week or so. Uh, they, they started winning more games. They, they kind of had a nice series against the Cubs. Um, but I'm guessing we both can say Padres? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. a solid guess. I mean, Soto has just been completely nowhere. He's fallen off the map. He's hitting 178. Machado's hitting 214. So where else you got to go? Just, yeah. There's really nowhere else to go if your top two guys aren't hitting, which is what your lineup is based on, those I top mean, three guys pretty much. And then the rest of the lineup is kind of been morbid also. So you need those guys to step up, and that, that, that just hasn't been happening. So I guess we they, can say Padres. Yeah. I mean, and they got Tatis back. And, I mean, he's, nice. he struggled he struggled as well. But, I mean, you know, it, it's he hasn't been back for very long. So, like, let's give him some more time. But, yeah, I mean, their star players are not – doing what people are expecting them to do and the rest and the Padres are I'd say a great example of a team that expecting their stars to do star things and the rest of the guys just to kind of do what they do because they don't necessarily need those guys to be above their weight class so to speak or anything like that like you know you can have Machado, Soto, Tatis, Bogarts those guys basically carry the offense because those guys are the stars of the game so yeah, um, you know, the other thing is their, their rotation hasn't been quite as good either. You Darvish had a bad start left with cramps in his leg. Um, so we'll see. I mean, the NL West, though, I think is a division that the Padres can still win. But it, it's a tougher division, I think, than a lot of people thought going into the year. And right now, Diamondbacks are in first um, at 14 and 12, just a half game above the aforementioned Dodgers and a game and a half above the Padres. So, you know, there could be some changing of the guard here next time we do a show, next time we talk about underperforming teams in the division. But um, for right now, I think, you know, I think we need to mark this episode down as the first time that we agreed on on everything. There was there was I, I can't think of of a disagreement that we had. I, we went perfect. Yeah. We, we we covered six divisions and six for six. I just, yes. I just want to add one more thing about the Padres because I, I just think we need to give it a little more time to get the division to shake out a little more because I still feel that there's – obviously there's a lot – games left to be played around close to 140 games left in the season. There's mm-hmm. still a lot of time for the division to shake out a little bit, settle, and for, for those teams like the Dodgers and Padres to really find a rhythm. But I think that's just time. And obviously we're not going to see Soto and Machado – play at such a replacement level uh, uh, caliber for a long time, but I, we just need them to start hitting and making contact and, you know, being, being Machado and Soto, because that's who they are, I guess. But yeah. let's wrap things up. First episode. And again, so we can things get fun and if discuss so okay guys check us out on youtube share with friends give us a like subscribe to the place level podcast on youtube spotify and apple podcast now and hope you guys enjoy this one